All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. This is Leafs Morning Take with Nick Alberga and Jay Rosehill. Now we've got a fight started here right off the bat with Rosehill. 30 minutes of live, nonstop Leafs talk starts now. Tell you folks, is there a better Friday feeling than the one after a Maple Leafs playoff victory? I don't think so. Presented by Botano and Skip, it's the Friday edition of Leafs Morning Take. Nick Alberga with you. Jay Rosehill. We'll be by in about five minutes from now with another installment of Three Hits with Rosie. And if you're unfamiliar with the segment, when Rosie can't be here, we still want him to be part of the show. And thus, Three Hits with Rosie was born. He just vents for like three to five minutes. So nothing on, uh, outside the ordinary of what you see already on this show when Rosie and I are face to face. But rest assured, he always brings the heat. So Three Hits with Rosie is coming up in about five minutes from now. Remember to subscribe, tap that like button, leave us a review wherever you're checking us out at the Leafs Nation 401. Here on YouTube, if you're watching right now and are not subscribed, what are you doing? At the Leafs Nation 401, where you can subscribe, you can get access to every video, interviews, clips, our shorts, anything you would like at the Leafs Nation 401. Additionally, we're available wherever you find your podcast. So if you're listening right now, again, you've probably found us, but just search Leafs Morning Take wherever you find your podcasts and we'll be available to you. And also, don't forget to visit the leafsnation.com. Uh, the team over there, including myself, have been pumping out content all postseason long, all season long for that matter. So theleafsnation.com for the very latest on all things Toronto Maple Leafs as we get set for Game 3 tomorrow night as the Maple Leafs visit the Tampa Bay Lightning all square at one in their best of seven series. Thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns, you can drop us a line in the chat down below here on YouTube. We'll get to a bit later on the show. And I commend all for coming early, by the way. I was checking out the YouTube chat like an hour ago. And uh, plenty of you already already in the chat, subscribed and ready to go and looking forward to today's show. And it's always fun to talk about a Maple Leafs victory, and that's exactly what we'll talk to. Um, uh, it was just a bit, bit of a different show after Game 1. That was a shit show, so I'm happy we moved past that. I've parked it, not even thinking about Game 1 anymore, feeling much better and positive about this Maple Leafs team right now as we head into Game 3 and 4 in Tampa. I should say as well, coming up in about 10 minutes from now, Matt Larkin, managing editor and a senior writer at Daily Faceoff, We'll drop by to share his thoughts on game two. He was in the building last night 
at Scotiabank Arena. I can confirm he was not wearing the color yellow. He was not beside the Tampa Bay Lightning penalty box. We'll get to that story as well. Matt Larkin's coming up. We'll also tee up game three. Of course, we don't do shows on weekend, uh, on weekends, I should say. So uh, that's coming up where we'll tee up sort of game three and what's to happen tomorrow night at Amelie Arena. But for now, let's get over the boards. Is it just me or that game was very, very similar to game one? Just had that feel, especially in the first period, right? But it was a role reversal. As you see on your screen right there, it was all Tampa in game one. They scored early check. Mitch Marner scores early last night. Uh, they score early and often in the period and lead 3 nothing. So in, in, in both respects, in both games, Tampa leads 3 nothing after game one. Toronto leads 3 nothing after game two in the first period. I, I just thought it was an unreal start for the Maple Leafs. Like, that's exactly how you want to come out after you just ragdolled in game one. It started with the early power play. And again, Mitch Marner, uh, the straw that stirs the proverbial drink for this team, intercepts that pass, gets tripped. Next thing you know, they're on a power play. And I love the deception on the shot, by the way. I don't think Andre Vasilevsky, quite frankly, I don't think anybody in the building thought Mitch Marner was shooting that puck. And he scored on two slap shots last night. So that was number one. Great to see. I thought the second period was even better, if you can believe it. For how great I thought the Leafs were in the first period, they're even better in the second period, and they surrendered a goal. But they, the Tampa had no answer for them. And we'll get to the Victor Hedman story as well. But, like, Tampa had no answer for their speed, their skill, their puck possession. Like, they were skating circles around them for the majority of the night, including the second period. I thought, by the way, the Leafs did a great job when it was 3-1 in that game. It looked a bit precarious. In fact, I was texting Jay Rosso, man. I'm like, this could be a momentum swing. Vasilevsky made like 17 10 bell saves in a row. And you're like, shit, this guy's not going to surrender that fourth goal. And I think you credit the Maple Leafs. Ian Cole scores that goal. Uh, you, you can't help but have it go to the back of your mind. Oh, oh, here we go again. Just because this team has blown up leads in the past. But they stuck with the game plan. They kept playing their game. And again, Tampa had no match for them. And after that, the floodgates were open and the blowout ensued, and I was really, really impressed by that second frame. Not to mention uh, the big boys really, really stepped up. The core four I thought were outstanding. They combined for 10 points. John Tavares nets his first career playoff hat trick. It just feels so good, especially when you want to troll Islanders fans. You see the captain stepping up, especially particularly. I didn't like his comments after game one to step up the way he did. No more learning lessons, just gets the hat trick. Uh, takes care of business. Uh, it, it was a really, really great effort to see. Again, Marner, three goals. Nylander, a multi-point effort. Matthews, two apples. Mitch Marner, two and one. And Morgan Riley, man, like you have to feel so good for this guy. I've been building him up all season long. Like he's the one guy I struggle to talk crap about because I think he means so much to this hockey club and this city and he's the consummate pro. And, pro. and I understand sometimes you're professional and it's not going to go your way and it really has not got the way of uh, Morgan Riley this season, but he he was so good last night. And it started early on where he had three apples in the first period, finishes off with four assists, and more of the same from Morgan Riley. We talked about it going into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Morgan Riley needed to be an X factor for this team, and my oh my, did he deliver in a big way here in the 7 2 victory in game two of this series. And the last thing I wanted to touch on was Ilya Samsonov, especially after the way he was just destroyed. and. The team in general was dismantled in game one, but for Samsonov to come back, I know he only makes 19 saves, but I thought a lot of them were timely, especially in the first period. If you do remember, uh, Tampa got the first five or six shots on goal, and uh, Samsonov showed early that he he wasn't gonna he, he wasn't gonna compete with much tonight in terms of like, hey, I am dealing with Tampa's stuff anymore, and I think he really really elevated his game. 
I think the biggest notable no, noticeable thing for me uh, was the rebound control. The, there was none of it uh, for, from the Samsonov perspective. And I think he really shut the door on Tampa early and said, this is not going to be your night. So I think maybe for me, that was the biggest positive is to, uh, the bounce back. And, you know, I mentioned the similarities as well from game one. If you can believe it, after 40, Samsonov had surrendered six goals on 29 shots. And not to be outdone, game two, Andre Vasilevsky, who, by the way, weirdly enough, stayed in the game, record or not, why? I understand this guy, you know, forces head coach to stay in the game, but he surrenders six goals on 29. Again, a carbon copy of game one in a role reversal between Ilya Samsonov and Andre Vasilevsky. So nice tidy 7-2 victory onwards and upwards. We move to game three coming up on Saturday night. Again, in a couple moments, Matt Larkin's going to drop by. But for now, let's hear three hits with Rosie. Welcome to the playoffs. My goodness, what a response. Number one, obviously, is the turnaround by the Maple Leafs in game two. Can you remember from game to game a contrast like that? From game one where they had nothing, it was a disaster, top to bottom, to game two and their response and everything going right, top to bottom. They literally ran the Tampa Bay Lightning out of the building and thank god for leafs nation because it's exactly what they needed to do to get back in this series and now i firmly believe the ball's in their court momentum wise heading down to tampa bay wow seven two three fights they responded in every single way from the goaltender through the d the toughness the identity the stars came out to play johnny t a hat trick comes to toronto signs the ticket puts the thing on his back people are saying he's too old he's too slow a performance like that when it was absolutely needed man nothing better that captain could have done Number two, that toughness factor, like they tried, they tried. They didn't just go home. They said, ah, screw it. We're done. We're going to gong it up here and uh, run these guys out of the building. You can't, you can't do that to the Toronto Maple Leafs this year. You used to be able to do it. They'd tuck tail and see you later. They didn't have anybody. They didn't have that identity. You got Geo, you got Schenner, you got Hall even scrapping in the playoffs. Three fights. Did we have three fights all season? We had it in game two of the playoffs. Justin Hall, I mean, that's not your M.O., man, but he needed to do something to recover from the game one play that he had. His performance was not near up to snuff. We talked about it at nauseum, and you know what? He puts himself out of the comfort zone, gets in a scrap where he doesn't really want to. Does he win the fights? No, he doesn't. But is anybody talking about that? Absolutely not. If he tucked tail and cowered and turtled and refused, that's what we'd be talking about. That would be a bad look, and that's when the Lightning can look and go, ah, look at this. We got one of them. Not an inch was given on that game and it's fantastic to see good for all those guys team toughness is up about a million this year love watching it honorable mention to matthew nyes can this kid play or what i'm telling you after interviewing him and, and just seeing how he operates and speaks and handles himself he has got a head on his shoulders he's got confidence and he just knows what to do he already seems like a professional and he's one of those guys that can kind of just step in and operate and not lots of guys can't do that they overthink it they get in their own head they struggle to adapt and it takes a little while to get into the nhl not this guy he's stepping right in he's being effective the way he takes it to the net the way he uses his body to protect the puck is 
world class and he's showing that i'm telling you right now this guy is officially a member of the toronto maple leafs you're going to see him with that jersey on for years to come he'll never talk about him coming out of the lineup again starting tonight this is where it starts for that kid's career fantastic proud of him happy for him and he is a huge addition for them and for good reason as well this young kid can play and i believe he's only going to get better number three sammy samsonov Man, him as much as anybody, he's the goalie. The spotlight's on him, but he needed to have a response this night, and he did exactly that. I mean, we've said when he's looking good, he is poised, he is calm. Big things are going on in front of him, and he's just in position. He's calm. He's there. He bats it away. He smothers the rebound calmly. He's just in control. He had none of that game one. He was fighting the puck. He was sliding around. He had no help in front of him. Everyone was panic mode. It was a nightmare game one, and... The only thing that mattered after that was how are you going to respond? And he responded just fantastically. He looked like the old Sammy. He was in control and he just reverberates confidence throughout that bench and throughout that lineup. Very happy for him. This team is absolutely rolling and I know we have a tendency to go, the sky is falling too, let's plan the parade. So what absolutely needs to happen? Those guys in that locker room right now, as jubilated as they are to get that win and they now are in kind of control going down to Tampa, you need to stop and reflect. What did we do? How did that happen? What were some of the keys to finding that success? And you're going to go down to Tampa. You're not going to have, you know, all the glitz and glamour of Toronto focused on you. You go down, you land, you go to your hotel, you do your little skate, you do your thing, you get some dinner with the boys, you wake up, you go play hockey, and you do the exact same thing that you did tonight. That is going to be paramount, you know, re replicating that performance. Because if you play like that for the rest of this series and the rest of this playoff run, that game one will be a forgotten footnote in the dust that you'll look back on and laugh. That team that played tonight can beat any team in a seven game series. The key is figuring out how to do that night in and night out. And the silly thing is, is Austin Matthews was kind of really quiet. I don't want to say he was a ghost out there, but I mean, you got one of the best players in the world and he hasn't even turned it on yet. If these guys start yinging and yanging and switch hitting their performances, this is going to be a team to be dealt with. And I can't tell you how exciting that was to watch that. The Leafs are back in this thing. We can rejoice. I need a glass of rouge here. Calm it down, Rosie. Calm it down. Here we go. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. As I told everybody, I don't like watching these things till they're live on air, and I'm so happy I did that, man. Jay Rosal just brings the heat. I want to go through a wall for this guy and just a, uh, again, what a role reversal from game one to game two. We're feeling much more optimistic about this Maple Leafs team. Brought to you by our new friends over at Skip. We're happy to tell you about Mitch's Dishes by Skip. Using the promo code TLN15, that's TLN15 in the Skip the Dishes app, you'll get $15 off when you spend $30 or more on Mitch's Dishes. Please note that this offer is exclusive to Skip. Additionally, a portion of the proceeds will be donated to the Marner Assist Fund to combat food insecurity. 
Skip is currently serving up game time eats across the GTA and Ontario in the likes of Brampton, Guelph, Kitchener, Toronto, Oshawa, and Waterloo, among other places. If Mitch likes it, it's got to be great. Did somebody say Skip? Producer Alex, I'm really, really learning. I, I really am learning about hitting that post. Uh, in fact, I wrote pause in my notes, so I know to pause after reading that. Um, and many thanks to our friends over at Skip as we bring in today's guest from Daily Faceoff, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Matt Larkin. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good. Uh, Nick, I'm jealous of, of Rosie's Rouge. All I have is this measly glass of water. It's just not the same thing. And I think he's doing it right. Maybe I have to reconsider how I approach these segments. I think in general, um, we deserve uh, a stick tap, if you will, to the friends over at Barnburner and Flames Nation for, I think, opening up the pathway for all of us here. Um, we all work together, of course. To have like a booze show, I think, is Jay Rosehill's like dream. So one day we're going to make it happen, okay? <laughs> I love it. I don't know if I trust myself, but I think it's going to be interesting <laughs> no matter what happens. I think it'd be jokes just to get shittered and talk about the Leafs. But the only problem with that is like Rosie's in Alberta. I'm in Toronto and obviously it's still morning, but as we know, it's five o'clock somewhere. So uh, to tee you up before I brought you on earlier on, I confirmed that you were not wearing a yellow shirt, nor were you beside the Tampa Bay Lightning penalty box. But what did you make first and foremost of that kerfuffle? Like it brought back memories of like the Tucker era, didn't it? It did. It made me think of, of Ty Domi in Philadelphia, the yeah. fan falling into the box. And I, I think to me, it sort of symbolized what a special night it was for the fans. And I said this from the press box because of that opening shift of the game from Mitch Marner, where he steals the pass, draws a penalty, scores a goal. It all happens in 47 seconds. The Leafs had the crowd. And that is a thing that you might take for granted in really great markets for fans, like let's say Boston. But in Toronto, it's fickle. You have to win the crowd, kind of like that, that quote in Gladiator, win the crowd and you'll win your freedom. Well, the Leafs won yeah. the crowd from the moment the puck dropped in game two, and they kept them for the entire game. And seeing that penalty box interaction, the chance as well of Corey Perry sucks, all that stuff, it just shows that they were with, the fans were with the Leafs that entire game. And it's a reminder, if the Leafs play with pace and urgency from the start of a game, they're going to have that support behind them at home throughout these playoffs. It's just a question of, can they sustain it game to game? That's always been the problem during this run of 19 years now, I guess, without winning a playoff series. It's the game to game consistency. But we saw last night what it can do and how magical it can be for the fans when they're having that urgency right from the start. And that's the key. And as you know, I used to work with Gord Stelic, who does great work still for Sportsnet. And he always used to say, make Scotiabank Arena a house of pain. I'm not saying going into the penalty box and start trolling and fighting the players. But, like, I want that building loud. I want it difficult to play against. And I think for the first time in a long, long time, I think it was both. Like, I think they made it difficult on Tampa. They did. And it's funny, you know, when, when you hear the penalty announcements at Scotiabank Arena, you can always hear what the penalty is. And then you hear the, whoa! But last night, all you saw was just the ref going, whoa, because it was that loud. And I have very few memories in that arena of it being that loud. And even people right beside me in the press box, we were leaning in. What did you say? What did you say? So, again, it, it shows what the potential is of this fan base. I think in the playoffs, the real fans are more likely to be in the building. They've saved their money for when it really counts. And it's a different atmosphere. It truly is. So who knows what the potential is for the feel of that barn if the Leafs can somehow finally go on a deeper run. Yeah, uh, very, very well said. Uh, what, what was your major takeaway from that victory? Obviously, there's a lot of things we can pull, but what's the one thing that stands out for you? 
The one thing that stood out to me most was actually Mitch Marner. I know it was John Tavares' night with the hat trick and Morgan Riley ties the franchise record four points as a defenseman, but Marner did it in one shift. I've said all season long, this is the emotional leader of this team. It's not Austin Matthews' team anymore, in my opinion. I don't know if it ever was, but it's Mitch Marner's team. What he does sets the tone. He did it right from the start. And if you look at just all the different hats he wears, killing penalties and his ability to intercept passes, he was second in the NHL in primary assists for 60 behind Nathan McKinnon. He does so many different things well. And I get the sense that this team goes as Mitch goes. They've talked all season long about his energy that he brings to the room, to practices. And to me, what last night showed is that he is the one who can influence the course of the entire game. I know he didn't have the biggest numbers when all said and done, but I think he showed how important he is with that opening shift, which was just epic. He did so many things well in a short amount of time. That was the biggest the biggest takeaway. The other thing too for me was the pushback. And we know Kyle Dubas this year, he zagged with his team construction at the trade deadline. He wasn't just going for analytics, he was going for intangibles. And last year's Leafs, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning, if they're getting blown out in a game, they say, okay, okay, we've lost this one. We're the biggest, strongest team in the NHL. Let's take some liberties with their stars. Let's get them off their game and push them around in these final minutes. Make it ugly. The Lightning tried to do that, but this time you have Luke Shen to answer the bell. He's the primary example. Yes, he was bleeding, but you have someone to bleed for this team now. <laughs> and I think that's a big difference. We saw that pushback in that ugly part of the game. So if I'm doing a show called Lightning Morning Take, and I totally agree with you. I think that pushback was there, and you need that. I know momentum doesn't carry from game to game, but you want to set a precedence that you're not going to mess with us. And I think so far the Leafs have shown that throughout this season, whether it be the regular season or the Stanley Cup playoffs. If I was doing a show, Lightning Morning Take, would I be leading with the fact that Andre Vasilevsky, for some weird-ass reason, had to go in there in the third period because he refused to come out of the game? Like, isn't John Cooper the head coach of this team? He is, but it's hard, right? When you have the two Stanley Cups, you have a Conn Smythe trophy, and you're Vasilevsky, you're a future Hall of Famer. I think this team now, you know, going to the Stanley Cup final three years in a row, they're sort of set in their ways. They know their players' habits, and they just know, hey, that's Vasi. He's the guy who doesn't want to come out, even though theoretically you'd think he could use the rest. It's just not the way he ticks. He likes to stay in a rhythm. He likes to battle with the team. So I think it's just a testament to the relationship between coach and, and goaltender a little bit, but also just the success of this team. They know what works for them, even though from our perspective, I was pretty surprised to see Vassie out there for the third. But then I kind of remembered, oh, wait, this is how he rolls. He just doesn't want to leave the game. So to each their own, and that's just sort of how Vassie ticks. I think this is a perfect job for Freddie Anderson, who's allergic to Stanley Cup playoff hockey, man. Like, he, he's a free agent this summer. I, I would go tell my agent, you know, I would love to be – Andre Vasilevsky's backup. You don't have to play a game. Like, the, honestly, does Brian Elliott even bring his skates to the opposition, like, on the road? Like, I, I really, really wonder about, like, the chest protector. Like, it's a joke, but, like, the guy knows going in every day. He can eat what he wants. He can chill. Just make a couple saves in the morning skate, and you're good to go. Exactly. Same for David Riddick in Winnipeg with Connor Hellebuck, who's the yeah. ultimate throwback workhorse as well. <laughs> and with Vasi, I think, you know, he said something before the season at the player media tour that really resonated with me. What Vasilevsky said was, I think it was something along the lines of like health is a skill. And what he meant by it was, there's a way to commit to keeping your body a temple and having it ready to go and it prevents injuries. And he sort of, I remember now he actually knocked on wood. I don't know if the table was wood, but he knocked. <laughs> but what he, what he said, it really kind of stuck with me because he's a goaltender who is very, powerful explosive top two hardest handshake i've ever felt from a human being andre vasilevsky 
And he's just a powerful guy and he keeps himself in great shape. And I think that's why he's able to withstand so much in terms of the rigors of the regular season, these deep playoff runs year after year. I tell you, the Leafs are in his grill, dude. Uh, I think it's, what, nine of the last ten they scored three or more goals in a game against him in the Stanley Cup playoffs. They're in his grill. I wouldn't put it past Veselovsky to bounce back, but, like, again, the Leafs have found a way to solve this guy. I don't mean any offense to Tampa in this. Like, was this more a story about the Leafs playing awesome, or is this a bigger story that nobody's talking about because of the bunting suspension? Victor Hedman, all-world defenseman, doesn't play last night. I know he misses the majority of game one, and Tampa still steamrolls Toronto, but, like, I just don't see a scenario, famous last words maybe for me, if Victor Hedman can't go for the rest of this series or is limited, I just can't see Tampa winning this series, Lex. I think that's a fair assertion, and you have to talk about Eric Chernak as well. He's the other yeah. member of, in terms of the top three most important defensemen on the team. He's been in the shutdown role with Ian Cole most of the year. He was shut down last year with Ryan McDonough, and he's key on the penalty kill. So without Hedman and Chernak, and it sounds like Chernak's timeline is murkier, he might be missing more time than Hedman. So I couldn't agree more. I got a lot of heat after game one for saying that was the most important story. I was not celebrating the injuries for anyone yeah. wondering. I was just saying... We can't deny this really changes the series. And we saw it last night. I thought that the way the Lightning defense sort of collapsed, they look really tentative. They reminded me of the Leafs in the first period of game one, the way they sort of allowed the Leafs to walk all over them, especially when the Leafs were out there on the power play without Chernak out there. I think I saw a big difference. And maybe if you get one of them back, Hedman or Chernak, it'll balance things back out a bit. But without both of them, I agree. I, I don't see a way that Tampa Bay can survive for the rest of the series that way. The other thing, too, like not to naysay Tampa and their philosophy, because these guys have been sort of the gold standard of the NHL world for the last five years, but you gave up 3,000 picks for Tanner Janot to fight Luke Shen. Like, he really? He's your scrapper? He's your fighter? Like, I don't know. I'm trying to make sense of that deal. I think he was great last year. He wasn't having a great year for the Nashville Predators. And, and full credit to David Poyle, by the way. Nice parting gift for Barry Trotz. Here's a boatload of picks in exchange for Tanner Janot. But I, I just don't see how that makes sense from a Tampa perspective. Yeah, I think it's going to go down possibly as Julian Breezebois' Icarus trade, in which everything he touched was turning to gold. And that, now, now I'm switching to Midas. I'm doing two different metaphors here, but you <laughs> get like the that. idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but the idea was they felt like they couldn't miss, right? They have this philosophy that we don't need draft picks. We have the best developmental system in the NHL. We turn guys who are lower picks or undrafted into useful players, whether it's Yanni Gord or Tyler Johnson. The history goes on and on and on with the Lightning. Now it's Ross Colton. They just keep doing it over and over and over. So to me, there was almost, I don't want to say arrogance. I just want to say confidence. Hey, we'll give you picks. We have our guy. We identify who we want. We did it last year with Brandon Hagel and Nick Paul, and we'll do it again. We see someone we want. We know how he fits into our puzzle. We don't care what anyone thinks about the picks. We will take this player, whatever the cost is. They did that last year. They did it the year before, of course, or two years before with Barkley, Gaudreau, Blake Coleman. So they have this precedent established. So at the time, I was pretty effusive. I said, hey, they know what they're doing. There's no reason to doubt them at the moment. But if we see the results so far for Tanner not, he had one goal, I think, in 20 games. He had 12 games where he had a, not a single shot on goal. So, yes, so far that deal is blowing up in their face. But, hey, if Tanner not scores an overtime winner in Game 7 of the series, then all is going to be forgiven and people will be singing Julian Breezebaugh's praises. You're right. It's a long series. Just look at what Nick Paul did uh, later on in that series in uh, in in the rem or in the first uh, rendition last year against Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you you mentioned Matthew Nyes, man. Like I, I think this guy was outstanding. I thought it was a ticky tack call. The first call, maybe the second was warranted. It was a five on three, whatever. I felt for his parents who were in the building. 
maybe to see their son's first ever goal. And it was his home debut as well. But I, I think he handled it really, really well. And um, he has to be in there moving forward, even if Michael Bunting comes back. We'll see how it goes game to game, by though. I couldn't agree more. I thought he really popped. I thought he made a lot of small plays in the offensive zone with his hands, just yeah. slight movements. And, and I think that's sort of what the scouting report was on Matthew Nyes, that he was kind of a unicorn, this big kind of heavy guy, muscled guy who can move with real agility and has really just smooth hands, almost like a Tage Thompson type of package if he were to hit the ceiling. I'm not saying he's going to be Tage Thompson. Just calm down, everybody. But in terms of just the actual <laughs> skill set, and I think it really showed last night. I thought he played really well on that line with Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Chari. And Nye said after the game that he felt really comfortable out there with those two guys, two veteran leaders who have just been around the block. They've been in the deep waters before, and they were the perfect line mates for him, sort of the way he put it. And I, I agree. I think, to me, that looks like that could be your third line. And dropping Ryan O'Reilly down to his own line, I think that was what should have been the plan all along. To me, that was the yeah. whole reason for getting him. You look at so many Stanley Cup champions, those teams are always three deep these days, not two deep at center, right? So I thought that line really impressed me. And if that's the new third line, it really changes the dynamic of the Leafs. And I agree, Matthew Nyes looks like he belongs. And again, it just it, it causes a nightmare from a matchup game when you don't have Chernak and Hedman in the lineup, just spreading the wealth in the top nine, if you will. I thought the fourth line was really, really good as well. Uh, Matt, excellent stuff. Appreciate your insight. Of course, you're at the arena for game one and two. I'd, uh, I'd expect you to be there for game five as well. So I appreciate your time today, bud. Absolutely. And I'll see you in like half an hour when you come over to my place on DFO Live. I like the promotion, dude. Take care. I'll see you in a couple. Take care. Uh, that's Matt Larkin. What an absolute beauty and so appreciative of his time here again. He took in game one and two at Scotiabank Arena. And I, I got to commend the crowd. I've been I've been tough on the Scotiabank Arena faithful, but I thought they really, really brought it last night, which is great to see. I want, I want Scotiabank Arena to be a difficult building to play in, much similar to the NBA. It's a different story, of course, but that arena is tough. It's hostile. And there's a reason why the Raptors are so good on home court. And I want to see that moving forward with the Maple Leafs. Uh, of course, back in the Pat Quinn era, I thought it was a tough building to play in. It just got really, really corporate the last, like, 15 years. So, again, I, I don't, you know, say go out there and I don't want to promote violence and all that stuff. But, like, I don't mind, you know, some chirping and some back and forth with the players. And I don't know why Tampa got involved in that. Like, who cares? Like, late in the game, it just got out of hand a bit. But uh, so be it. And I was happy with the crowd, the way they came out in that game. The Botano wrap-up is presented by Botano.ca. The game starts now. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Uh, I'm not sure if you've been keeping tabs on this. We're on a bit of a heater here, and I'm going to try to keep things going on this Friday. I like the Boston Bruins in regulation. So it's game three of that series at FLA, FLA Live Arena. Easy for me to say. In sunrise, all square one. Florida's coming off a really, really impressive 6-3 victory. I think we see a response for the Boston Bruins, with or without Patrice Bergeron, for that matter. Um, they were peppered, absolutely peppered back in game two. And there's one thing Boston has showed us throughout this historic season is that they do, in fact, bounce back. So I think to extract a bit more value, I'll take the Boston Bruins in regulation to win game three and to get it at plus money. I'm feeling pretty damn good about that. As I go to the chat here, hot and heavy, appreciate it all. By the way, Jay Rosehill texted me. He's watching right now, and he's so happy with all of you for pounding that like button, first and foremost, for subscribing at the Leafs Nation 401, at the Leafs Nation 401, where you could subscribe. And all the great takes here in the chat, keeping it red hot as we move forward over to the weekend. Of course, Game 3 coming up on Saturday night, Game 4 
on Monday night at uh, Amelie Arena in Tampa. Mark Ratson, Riley played a really solid game. Again, I echoed those sentiments in the opening segment. He, he was outstanding. And again, you need your number one defenseman. Whether you think Morgan Riley is the number one D for this team anymore or not, you need Morgan Riley to be that stud, to be that point producer at the very least. And I, I thought in all facets of the game, defensively, moving the puck, the neutral zone, using his legs to get into the rush, I, he just brought it. Like, And I think in addition to that, you look at the statistics, you know, dating back to last year in the seven games and now in the two games, he has 10 points in the last nine games. That's right. He had six points in seven last year against Tampa. Keep things going. So it's, it's great to see... Uh, from, from that perspective, five-star collectibles wore my or jersey today. Wish I had a Rosie jersey. Awesome energy last night. Jay Rosehill, if you're watching right now, maybe we get our guy five-star collectibles, a Jay Rosehill Toronto Maple Leafs jersey. There's got to be, what, one of three out there, and I think Rosie's got one of them. So maybe he donates it to you. I love how I'm just sewering Rosehill in the chat right now. Uh, a lot of people happy with the play of Matthew's, Matthew Nyes. And again, Matt Larkin touched on it, but yeah, like that – they, like sometimes kids come into this league and you're like, they're not ready or they're not ready for that moment to an extent that happened with Nick Robertson, again, playing in the playoffs too. But I thought from the get-go, Matthew Nyes, and you could see the nerves are there with the penalties and stuff like that. I had an issue with the first penalty. Like that was a, that was a stick lift. Like what are we doing right now? It's a Stanley Cup playoffs. And again, I'm not going to be the person to rag on officiating, but like, what are we doing here? That, that was just a tough call for me to grasp. The guy's back checking a stick lift. He got the puck. It was a it was a well-deserved play to get that puck back, and then he gets uh, two minutes for that. I, I think the other one, okay, whatever. It depends on how you hold the stick, but a five-on-three to call that penalty, whatever. It's it's getting it's getting late. The game's out of hand. I just wanted to see Nice score his first. Uh, super strict nine. Nice has played in the Olympics, so he's been on big stages before. That's a really, really good point. Frank also writes in another thing. I laughed at Maroon tugging on Ryan O'Reilly's glove at the benches during a stop in the play in the third period. You couldn't. Watching the game closer, and I, I like to go back sometimes, you can you can see a couple different things that Tampa likes to do. Another thing I noticed on top of that, and I did see that, and they're good buddies, by the way, from their days in St. Louis winning the Stanley Cup. But I think it happened on three occasions where Nikita Kucherov took a shot on goal and went by Ilya Samsonov and just gave him a little tap. It reminds me a lot of, for any of you who had a bigger brother or a little brother, for that matter, or a little sister or a bigger sister, you know when you just do just enough to piss them off? Like you get in their grill and you know you do something that's just going to annoy them a bit? I think that's what Kucherov is doing, setting the table for later on in the series. And if I'm the Leafs, I'm not putting up with that shit. I, I think if you you look back at the tape, you, you let Kucherov know right away that ain't going to happen. You ain't getting close to a goaltender anymore, and I'm sure they'll figure it out in the video. But that's one of the things I noticed happened a couple times last night. And I, I tell you, that Kucherov's a hell of a player. I know he's a bit of a whiner and complainer, but like he is a hell of a player and he's not afraid to back it up. And the best part of what makes him so great is he's got he's got this like bitchiness to him in terms of like he's not going to put up with your shit, you know? And I, I think, I don't know, at times I'm like, man, he's just got like this pushback to him. And I think sometimes you like to see that with other players in this league. But I think that's what makes Nikita Kucherov such a fierce and hard player to play against in this league. And I think moving forward now, folks, to... Game three coming up tomorrow night. I expect, obviously, a bit of a bounce back from Vasilevsky. Steven Stamkos has been really, really quiet. We know in the first 10, 15 minutes of that game, Tampa's going to give it their best. No team likes to be humbled and embarrassed the way both teams have at this point through two games in this series. So very similar to the Leafs in game two. I expect a bit of a response. The other storylines I'm watching, obviously, Victor Hedman, what happens in that scenario. Chernak as well. 
I don't see Chernak returning anytime soon for that matter, but like just the headman factor is not really being spoken about enough. Like the guys at no world defenseman, one of the best defensemen on the planet without him. I just don't know if Tampa stands a chance. And this is not me saying that as somebody who covers the Toronto Maple Leafs. I just think you take Victor Hedman out of that lineup. It's just not the same team. They're very, very thin on the back end, taking nothing away from the likes of Radish and Zach Bogosian plays last night. I love Mark Giordano stepping up early on. Uh, we saw the Leafs not back away from, from, from the fight this time around. We've seen that before in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and I thought it was just all around a really, really good showing. So we'll leave it at that. Many thanks to producer Alex. Many thanks to everybody in the chat. Got a special guest, by the way, coming up on Monday. Uh, for those of you who've been watching the Sportsnet broadcast, Derek Lalonde, who is the head coach of the Detroit Red Wings, a former assistant on the bench of John Cooper in Tampa. He's been excellent uh, in his insight and analysis, and I've tracked him down. He's going to join me on the show on Monday. So Rosie's not back on Monday, but Derek Lalonde will drop by. We'll get his insight, his thought. Uh, by then, we'll be leading up to game number four on Monday of the series. So we'll get his insight on game three on Saturday night and also a bit of a preview for game four. So Derek Lalonde of the uh, Detroit Red Wings is coming up on uh, Monday's show. Again, many thanks to everybody in the chat. You guys brought it all week long. It's so fun and exciting to bring this to you. Jay Rosal, great three hits with Rosie. Hope you didn't have too much rouge last night. And producer Alex, you brought it as per usual. I'm Nick Alberga signing off for another week of Leafs Morning Take. Take, take care.